Hello, I'm Henry. And I'm Trey. And welcome to Marvelous, a Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. A podcast where we go through the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe, movie by movie, show by show, one shot by one shot in order of release. And today we've reached phase two. We're going to be talking about Iron Man 3 and All Hail the King, the one shot. The IMDb synopsis is... When Tony Stark's world is torn apart by a formidable terrorist called the Mandarin, he starts an odyssey of rebuilding and retribution. Is that it? That's it. (laughs) Wow, I'm I'm surprised it didn't mention the trauma from Avengers at all. I agree, I would have thought the PTSD would be in there. Yeah, that's a fundamental part of the movie. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But I... Yes. Yeah, that's that's odd. It's an alright synopsis, I suppose. <laughs> okay, to give some context for this movie, this is occurring sometime after the Avengers, although the time isn't really specified. Uh, Tony Stark had just helped save all of Earth from Loki's army with the Chitari by launching a nuclear missile into their mothership beyond the portal caused by the Tesseract, And Tony just barely makes it back through the wormhole, is saved by Hulk, and the Avengers have saved the day. So Henry, what did you think the first time you saw this movie? The first time I saw this movie, I liked it a lot. The effects were super cool. The the combat was amazing. My favorite scene being Tony Stark's invasion of the house. What The mansion was so cool, and I was so amazed how... cool Tony Stark could be without a suit. Although, after having seen it a second time and having someone mention the fact that it's kind of like a Christmas movie, if you think about it, that lowered my view of it a tiny bit, but I liked it a lot. How about you? (laughs) Uh, This was right before you got into the MCU, right? Yeah, I think we actually saw this together, didn't we? I don't know. I think we saw it with Aaron. Oh, you know what? Yes, we did. I remember because... It came out during our finals, so I couldn't watch it until after, so I used a song from the movie to help me study. The Can You Dig It song at that place at the end. I love that song. I don't remember it. (laughs) I listened to it so many times. That's funny. I just So many times, Trey. I just remember arguing with Erin after we got out because she hated the Mandarin, and so she didn't like the movie. (laughs) (laughs) To explain to our listeners, me, Trey, and our friend Aaron were a trio back in college, so we did a lot together. So a lot of these movies we probably saw together. Well, a few of them anyway. But to answer your question, I I really liked it as well uh, upon first watch. I mean, I had very low expectations because I wasn't into these movies yet, and Iron Man had never been a favorite of mine. But this movie, I was like, wow, that was good. I enjoyed it. Uh, what do you think now? I still like it a lot. Um, having just rewatched it, the flaws still really stick out a lot. But there are a lot of really high highs in this movie, even though there are some lows. Yeah, uh, which is why the last time I watched this movie, I, I, I actually thought it was my favorite Iron Man movie of the trilogy because it was the one that I enjoyed the most out of the three, and I still really like it. Uh, it's definitely not as good of a film as Iron Man 1 is, but I think there's more elements to it that I personally like more. Yeah, it's a much more fun story, but it 
it's much easier to tear apart because there's a lot of logical flaws in it that I don't like. There are definitely flaws, yeah. So anyway, should we hop into it? Uh, yeah, let's get into the movie. All right. So we begin the movie with Tony Stark discussing demons of his past with an unknown person. I mean, it just sounds like narration. It It is a narration, but he's talking to someone. But you don't know that. <gasps> Gasp! <laughs> well, yes. So anyways, we flash back to 1999 when... Tony Stark is at a New Year's party in Switzerland, I believe. Yeah, and oh my god, Happy's hair. <laughs> it's, it's beautiful. That is a, it's gorgeous. During this party, he interacts with a girl, Maya, who wanted to show Tony her botany experiments. Uh, we also see the doctor who saved Tony in Iron Man 1. Yinsen, I can't believe he made an appearance. I didn't know he was I know. there. <laughs> You didn't know Yinsen was there? No. Yeah. We see Yinsen, which is very funny since in Iron Man 1, Yinsen specifies that Tony was in a state where he wouldn't remember Yinsen, which was true. Yeah. <laughs> and we also meet the main antagonist of this movie, Aldrich Killian, who looks like the most stereotypical, like, gross nerd. Can I say that? <laughs> Possible? Uh, like, 90s gross nerd, like, completely disheveled, silly-looking glasses. He can barely talk without stuttering. He's just... weird. Yeah. As a, Like, yeah, I feel maybe rude saying that, since I would consider myself a very nerdy person. But they're clearly going for that vibe. Yeah. They clearly make Tony, like, weirded out by him in the movie. Yes, they do. Yeah, so this Aldrich Killian wants Tony to join his think tank, AIM, which we don't really know what its purpose was yet, other than to, mil to be doing military stuff. I was... Well, that's the thing. He wasn't approaching Tony. He was approaching Maya. I mean, he was... I thought he was... He, wasn't he approaching both of them? He was pitching to both of them, but he seemed to be talking mostly to Maya. Which is interesting, because Maya takes up his offer later. Yeah, she does. But he tells her that he's been, like, following her work for years. Uh, it's just, it's it's kind of, I, I don't know, like, his big idea is just a privately funded think tank. Like, what? Yeah, it's, it's very strange since later on in, like, Killian's entire everything in this movie is based off Maya's research. Which is interesting because originally Maya was going to be the main villain. Yeah. Killian was added in later. And for those who don't know, uh, they were going to have the, a female villain for the first time until they decided that it wasn't going to sell toys. Yeah, Disney. They thought that a woman bad guy wouldn't sell toys, which is ludicrous. And also they didn't sell any Aldrich Killian toys. So like, really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> who, who wanted to buy an Aldrich Killian toy? Nobody. I mean, maybe if it spat real fire, that'd be cool. But I don't think they would sell that to children. It's also kind of a bummer because I don't think we've gotten another female villain in the MCU aside from Hela just now. Yeah, I don't. I don't think so. Um, <laughs> so and uh, I mean Nebula, but that hardly counts. Well, female big bad. She wasn't the big bad. I know. I know. I agree. That's why I said it hardly counts. Okay. Yeah, we've had evil women, but none that were the main antagonist. Although Ultron's not technically gendered 
I mean... Technically. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, she is... I, I, I actually like her quite a lot. Um, and they... Tony sends Killian up to the roof to meet him later, and then he never does. And Maya shows her research to Tony, where we see her exploding plants back in self-heal, and then Tony and Maya have fondue. Sure. <laughs> Ha-ha! Captain America 1 joke. Is there anything else you really want to say about the flashback other than Happy having ridiculous hair and touching the plant that he was specifically told not to touch? Because, huh, maybe it'll explode. Maybe you should listen to the botanist. No, I'm just wondering if they, like, since they were originally going to have Maya as the villain, if they were just like, well, let's have it be a guy by having him, like, be her boss because he came up with a think tank that funded her research and therefore took it out. I don't know. It's, it's all kind of weird. I don't know. This One of those strange things about Aldrich Killian in general is that, as a villain, he is the most disconnected from Tony Stark. He has a grudge towards Tony, but that's not really his aim like his entire plan didn't need to involve tony in the slightest it could have just been uh cap capturing and killing the president to gain more power so that he can sell to both sides of the conflicts that will arise but tony got got roped in anyways which is very different from iron man one and two yeah which i think is one of the biggest flaws of the movie i mean not the flaw not the one of the biggest flaws it makes the story less compelling i mean i guess I don't really want all the villains to have personal stakes with Tony, though. Fair enough. It's just that if you're not going to have him have personal stakes with him, then don't add this grudge in the past. Yeah. I, it's like they were trying to force personal stakes, but it didn't work right. That's what I'm going for. Yeah, I agree with that, especially since like all he did was say, I'll meet you on the roof <coughs> and not come. Yeah, and that inspired him to become a much better businessman by working in the shadows or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, we move to the present where uh, Tony... Well, we have Tony kind of dancing to Christmas music. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not going to talk about the Christmas stuff much in the movie just because... So, long story short, I'm not Christian, I'm Jewish, and Christmas stuff sometimes bothers me a little bit because i don't need to see it everywhere and there's like 30 references to it being christmas in the movie and it kept standing out to me which is why it bothered me it's like this is an iron man superhero movie not a christmas story why do you need to make it so much about christmas here's the thing though i don't think this is a christmas movie at all i mean aside from the fact that it's set at christmas time that's like the only thing that's christmas about it yeah I honestly don't remember why it bothered me as much back then. I just remember seeing a whole, like a bunch of posts about it, how it's similar to other Christmas movies. So it really stood out to me this time and bothered me, even though I hardly remembered why. It's not that big of a deal. It just, eh. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I'm not really sure why they said it at Christmas, except I guess they wanted to try and be different and like maybe it was coming no, out. No, it was something about the director wanting to make it about Christmas. That's why. It, I, it was something I learned about back then, and I don't remember anymore. Something about him wanting to make it a Christmas movie. Interesting. And, and it involves Harvey, the kid, too. Like, this is... I don't know. It has some similarities to average Christmas movies. I don't even... 
Okay. Don't worry about it. It's such a minor thing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, anyways, uh, so Tony turns on the TV and we are introduced to the Mandarin who has hijacked the airwaves. This was after he was assembling his modular suit, which we find out is like Mark 42. And during Avengers, he was on Mark seven, I believe, which means he's been going absolutely bonkers, making more and more and more suits. And I'm going to assume it's probably only been like six months, even though later in the movie they mention it's 2012, but I think that's just a mess up. They didn't mention it's 2012. There's just a thing that would make it seem like it was 2012. What thing? Uh, when Maya shows up at their house and he says, oh no, don't tell me it's a, you have a 12-year-old kid in your car. Oh. And then she's like, no, it's 13. So that would give it a rough time of 2012, but I don't think that actually matters, especially because he says 20 years ago talking about that party later on. It might be a mess up. I'm a little sick right now, so I might have missed a few small things this time around. So, yeah, Tony built his suit, and then we meet the Mandarin, who hijacked the airwaves and shows that he's a terrorist. Uh, Though, (laughs) what actually kind of terrorist is very vague. He just, like, does random acts, and then teaches... And then he teaches lessons to America. Yeah. I... Yeah. (laughs) And then we cut to the Iron Patriot... Oh my god. Who is now War Machine, but painted exactly like Captain America? (laughs) Kinda. I never thought about it like that. I just thought red, white, and blue, War Machine. This is the most America thing in the entire MCU. Seriously, though. (laughs) Except for later in the movie when it's the president on an oil tanker in the the Iron Patriots. (laughs) America. Oh my gosh. Pew, 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 pew. But but he does seem to have... A very similar design to Captain America. Like, doesn't he also have the single star on his chest and the same color scheme? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, yes, they're both themed after America. <laughs> Whoa, crazy, right? I know. <laughs> it's just interesting. Yeah, I haven't made that jump before, but you're right. And after the press conference announcing it, uh, a lot of new they show a lot of news coverage making fun of it. And making fun of, or and mocking the president's poor reactions to dealing with the Mandarin, and I enjoy that Bill Maher is one of the people they talk to get, talk about the Iron Patriot. Who is that? He's a comedian, but just the way that he talked about it is so like how he normally would talk about these kinds of things in his show. So I found it funny. Cool. Yeah. So then we cut to Tony and Rhodey who are talking about the nine bombings that have happened so far from the Mandarin and how there's been no sign of the technology behind them. No bomb fragments left behind or anything like that. Uh, And then Tony basically has an anxiety attack for the the first time when some kids come up to him and mention the wormhole from New York. Yeah, and one thing I really like about that is how he runs straight to his suit and he's freaking out and trying to have the suit and Jarvis run analytics on him. And when he realizes he's having an anxiety attack, he's like, what, me? And it's really, um, from people that I know who've, who suffer from anxiety attacks, um, I've been told they really appreciate this because it shows how these kinds of things can truly happen to absolutely anyone. Yeah. Even someone like, even an egomaniac who seems totally in control of his life like Tony. This is true. Uh... 
which people say that the Iron Man films in general talk about or like have different themes like this. Like they say Iron Man 2 is about alcoholism and Iron Man 3 is about PTSD. Um, Iron Man 2 is about alcoholism? Uh, I thought it was supposed to be Iron Man 3 covers the alcoholism plot of the Iron Man comics using PTSD instead of alcoholism. I mean, I don't really see the alcoholic metaphor in Iron Man 2. Like, yeah, he's drinking, but it doesn't seem that... I don't know. I don't see it, yeah, but I've seen, pe- I've seen people talk about it. Which is strange. It, I've never seen that before. Uh, yeah. So then we find out that Happy is now the head of security at uh, Stark Industries, and he is a ridiculous head of security. <laughs> <laughs> Badge. Oh my god. Yeah, that was pretty funny. Oh my god, he's so funny. How he just, like, wants to replace everyone with robots because they're making too many complaints. I know. (laughs) The problem with human resources is we need to replace the humans with robots. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Yeah, the, the funny thing is, is I don't feel like Happy would act like that from any of the other movies he's in. I agree. This seems really out of character for him. I think so, too. Well, I don't, I don't even know if you can say out of character because we, we don't really know his character at all. I don't know. This is also the first time that he wasn't a director of, an, of the movie he was in, right? I think so. And it's also the first time that we actually get to know, like, we, he gets enough screen time that we get to see more of his character. <laughs> yeah. He gets a decent amount of Iron Man, too. No, he doesn't. He's, he's running around with Black Widow. He was there in, like... I feel like we had, one... we had the same exact conversation in Iron Man 2 one, didn't we? They, he fought with Black Widow twice. That's not a lot of screen time. Okay, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but, um... <laughs> so anyways, uh, while we're seeing Happy as a head of security, we're also seeing Pepper as the head of Stark Industries, who has a meeting with Aldrich Killian. And apparently she worked with him in the past, which seems wrong. Yeah, I thought the same thing. Why would she have worked with him? There's no, no reason. It makes no sense. Yeah, to be honest... Like, sorry, Pepper, I love you, but you're glor- you started as a glorified secretary. Like, I don't know why you would have worked this private think tank. And I and he's been doing this private think tank for, like, at least 12 years or something. Yeah. So, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> though, though him hitting on her, in retrospect, awkwardly fits the weird, gross character they were trying to show in the flashback. Uh... <laughs> But anyways, uh, <laughs> Killian shows her the tech that he's designing, which is talking about an empty slot in the brain and changing your DNA, which is weird because I don't know why an empty slot in your brain would be fixed that way, but it's funny because we actually do have DNA-changing technology now. Go CRISPR! So it's not even that far-fetched, except it won't make you shoot fire or explode now. Okay, I have no idea what that is. It, it, it's super early in development. Don't don't worry about it. Basically, what he's saying isn't as far fetched as it, he makes it out to be in the movie. Except he's pushing it to extreme proportions of oh yeah, you could just have people regrow grim and you could just have people regrow limbs and stuff. Well, the way they talk about it at this point, isn't it like reprogramming like the human brain? So yeah, which is I don't know, it's weird. <laughs> I'm glad that Pepper says that uh, this tech is weaponizable, so no, though, because yeah, <laughs> I'm like, good girl. I don't even understand why they would set up this meeting anyways, since Stark Industries is is an energy company now, essentially. 
unless he's just looking for investors. It's it's kind of mm. odd. Yeah, that's what I was confused by too. But but it was cool that he had like fancy projector technology and stuff like that. Yeah, he he showed her his brain. Oh my god. It was very sexy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we also meet Sketchy Henchman Man, which I don't know his name. I've just been calling him Sketchy Henchman for all of my notes. I I don't think he has a name. Probably not. But then Pepper goes home and Tony welcomes her with his empty suit. And his giant boobed bunny. Giant boobed Why? bunny? Yeah, that bunny has such huge boobs. I don't think they're supposed to be boobs. Are they not? I thought that too. I was like, are those boobs? But I, they have like markings on them that make it seem like they're supposed to be paws. <laughs> mm, I think they're boobs. Though they're, it has no other arms, so I think those are its arms. Huh. Never thought about it that way. Maybe you just um, wanted to think about it the other way. <laughs> no, it's the worst. Why would anyone think anyone would like that, especially Pepper? I agree. Um... <laughs> But yeah, so Pepper comes home expecting date night and a nice time with Tony and is greeted by an Iron Man suit and he pretends that he's just um, breaking it in. But Pepper quickly finds out he's just faking being in it because he's still downstairs working on his projects. And something I really like about the scene is Pepper gets mad and then goes off when she finds out. But Tony actually shows a lot of vulnerability and tells Pepper that he's a piping hot mess and really the only thing keeping him together after everything in the Avengers is Pepper having moved in and helping him. Giving him something to care about. Yeah, and that's one of the things I really like about this movie is that I think Tony's character is at his most mature and likable that we've seen him. I agree. And his eyes have really been opened after the Avengers. Yeah. And I also really like how Pepper responds to it and how she really helps him push through it by making him take off his headgear and inviting him. Or, I just love the lineup. I'm going to take a shower. You're coming too. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Because Pepper definitely knows how to help Tony out. But it doesn't last long because then you see them asleep and Tony has a really bad nightmare. Uh,. And apparently calls the suit in his sleep, so it kind of, like, grabs... The suit that he just set up that he can summon. Yeah, and it grabs onto Pepper, uh, and she freaks and decides to sleep on the couch while he's like, Sorry, it must be a bug, I'll stop that from happening. Yeah, we kind of skip the fact that he, like, while going crazy and being up for three days straight, he injected himself with, like, magnets or something to connect to the Iron Man suit. He did? Yeah, that's... That was in that first scene, which is right before he summoned all the parts. He gave himself injections to summon it. But he summons it onto other people, too. I know. I know. Okay. It, it's it's a problem. Okay. It wasn't a problem for me, because I didn't notice that at all. <laughs> I did. <laughs> uh, Though I like Iron Pepper. Yeah, so uh, then we cut to... Happy following Sketchy Man at the Chinese Utah. He wasn't following him, was he? Yeah, that's the whole point. I it's, it looked to me like they just, he just ran into them. Hell no, no, he was totally following him. Okay. I'm from. Or I was just about to say we're from L.A., but you're not. <laughs> no one ever goes there, <laughs> unless they're a tourist. No one ever goes where? 
The Chinese theater. It's on like the Hollywood boardwalk. Like, I don't know why you'd ever go there. Okay. I mean, he ran into that guy like really accidentally seeming. So I, I, I just assumed that he was, they were walking and I don't think so. Okay. He, he like happy took a picture of his license plate earlier and was really weirded out by him. So I think he really wanted to know what was going on. Happy's senses were tingling. Alrighty. His happy senses were tingling. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, there's two the the sketchy guy. Oh my god, none of them have names. The sketchy guy and the sketchy other guy. Man, yeah, I called him Junkie Guy. So Sketchy Man gives Junkie Guy a case of some kind of medicine to help him deal with what we figure out later is his extremist case. And they interact and we find out that Sketchy Man has extremist superpowers of some sort. And then Junkie Guy explodes. Yeah, and takes Happy with him. Oh yeah, Happy is hospitalized and unconscious, but he points to Junkie Guy. Did you... <laughs> Junk, what? Did you mention the fight? Yeah, uh, like, yeah, like, um, Sketchy Guy threw Happy, like, in the air, like, 30 feet away, so we know that he has superpowers, and Happy also punched him straight in the face, and he just glowed to heal himself back up, so we know that something crazy is going on. Yeah, I liked that it's, that it showed Happy fighting, like, well, though. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's something that it could have been cool to show in in Iron Man 2 a little bit more too. Like Happy is a competent fighter for a normal person. Yeah, I'm not He's not a he's not Black Widow level, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but then he would have upstaged Black Widow and since that's all she did in that movie, you know. Yep. <laughs> to be fair, all he did is like lob one huge punch, which isn't that impressive and then the guy threw him in the air, so I guess. Uh but anyways, Happy barely conscious points his finger towards the junkie guy's dog tags i guess that's how they discover what's going on later on it's kind of weird yeah so then happy is like in the hospital but we see the mandarin taking credit for the explosion and threatening the president and talking about fortune cookies an american invention yeah which this is how i learned that they were an american invention (laughs) i believe it is how I learned as well, and I've been to where they make fortune cookies in San Francisco, and they give you out the flat cookies without them being folded if you want. What? My mom got a whole bat. Yeah, you can get the flat, like, circle of a cookie before they fold it. My mom got, like, bags of them. Like, baked? Yeah. That is weird. I didn't know you could do that. It is super weird. <laughs> <laughs> and then we see Happy in the hospital, and Tony... Uh, leaving and emotionally talking to the cameras yeah lots of reporters are there and one asshole's like hey when is someone gonna kill this guy to tony and tony basically (laughs) tells the mandarin you just died pal and gives him his home address yeah because then the mandarin would show up and then he would kill him as an iron as iron man i guess this makes perfect sense. Also, you're Iron Man with a fancy super mansion. Everyone knows where you live. <laughs> Which, if everyone knows where he lives, then why did they wait till he gave his address to attack? I know, exactly. It, I mean, it just... unless they just took it as like, well, he just declared war, so... 
I think it's that, because he just declared war. Like, Iron Man wasn't getting himself involved. Now he was, so they're like, oh, fuck it, let's take him out. Yeah. It, it's, it's also, like, he says they're on full security lockdown, but he has glass windows, and <laughs> his house is, like, super susceptible to... Missiles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd think, I don't know, all those Iron Man suits he has in his basement might be guarding the house if they can be controlled autonomously. To be fair, Tony probably didn't want Pepper to know that he has 40 of them now. Which I feel like, I guess, oh yeah, I guess she didn't know. Yeah, he told her that it was only like 14. So then Tony starts looking into the bombing after what happened to Happy. And uses magic shenanigans to figure it out. And I don't like this part of the movie. What are you talking about? He, his magic detective skills of having like a 3D image of the entire map. And uh, I mean, the entire incident was, uh, it was pushing it farther than I liked. Like how he showed Happy pointing to dog tags and then scanned the dog tag for a name. That was too much. Why? When did he get the scan? When did he do any of this? I just didn't like it. It didn't feel like the Iron Man... It didn't feel like how Iron Man would figure stuff out in the other movies. It felt like a stretch. Okay. Uh, I didn't really have a problem with it. I don't know. It just felt a bit excessive. Well, he found a guy that had blown up in Tennessee, like, a while ago. Before all the other... Yeah, he figured out all the Mandarin attacks had a very similar heat signature, but there was one incident beforehand, so he wanted to go investigate that one. So he made a flight plan for Tennessee, and then Maya shows up at his house. So, yeah, then Pepper comes out, and they argue because she wants to go out of town because she's like, you just invited a terrorist to our house! And he's like, no, we're safest here, because totally... (laughs) And well, I mean, he wants to have his fight that he just invited upon himself. Yeah, I'm honestly surprised that he thought about it and then still, like, wanted it to happen at his house. But, yeah, I mean, home field it. advantage? I don't think he was expecting the Mandarin to come with four helicopters. Apparently not. Whatever. Apparently he expected the Mandarin to knock at the door. Yeah, and apparently he wasn't prepared for a missile strike. Yeah. Or anything. Yeah. <laughs> Not like the Mandarin blows things up. You'll never see me coming. So, helicopters surround the house and missiles hit it. And Tony, in slow motion, calls his suit onto Pepper to help her, which was pretty cool. And Pepper protects him as Iron Pepper. Yeah. and then, Which I like. That's cool. It was cool. Um, and then the house is, like, falling apart and essentially falls off of the cliff and into the ocean. Poor Iron Man's house. Yeah. Yeah. He he was able to take out some of the helicopters attacking, but yes, he gets buried by his own house. Uh, something to point out, though, is Sketchy Man is in the helicopters, so this is the first confirmation we have that Killian and the extremist stuff is linked to the Mandarin. Ah, that's... Ah. True. Yeah, it, when you're rewatching the movie, does it stand out as much because you know that they're linked? Yeah. But the first time, it's actually kind of surprising because you're like, wait, what does Sketchy Guy have to do with the Mandarin? OMG. Yeah. But anyways, Stark is buried by his house underwater. And then in his 
Iron Man suit is launched away all the way to Tennessee, I think. Or where was it? Yeah, Tennessee, because that's where the first explosion happened and Jarvis was bugged out. Speaking of which, everyone thought he was dead. Did no one notice the Iron Man suit shooting out of the water? Apparently not. And also, <laughs> also, why was he unconscious? The whole time? Yeah, like from the moment that he was flying out of the water all the way to Tennessee. He's just like he didn't he wasn't conscious when he's like getting out of the water just to go onto the cliff. It just took him to Tennessee. Good point. I mean, he was like hit real, real bad. And he was maybe about to become unconscious when he was underwater. But he was clearly still responding and stuff since he had to like hold his breath for Jarvis to shoot off one of his Iron Man arms to pull him out. Yeah, so instead of getting onto the cliff, he, like, just falls asleep, apparently. It seems kind of weird. Yeah, (laughs) and also he was probably flying for at least two hours. Yeah. Uh, One more thing that I want to talk to you about that is that right when he lands and crashes in Tennessee, he's out of power, which is very confusing since the entire power source of his suits are the arc reactors, which are embedded in them. And I don't know if they can be recharged. I don't know. All Everything about that seemed a little off to me. Which, <laughs> is, is the thing in his chest still powering the suits, or are they powering themselves? Both. Um, he has arc reactors within the suits and in his chest. And apparently he had a wrist mini arc reactor thing on him also. What? He has, like, a little wrist arc reactor thing that he uses in his fight in Tennessee against, um... I thought that was just... Against Extremis Girl. I thought that was just a blaster. No, or I don't know. I think it was Extremis powered. Everything he has is Extremis powered. You mean arc reactor powered? Yes. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, I'm... The thing that he built, isn't it supposed to be last, like, forever? That the new element... Um, it's, it lasts a long time, but I mean, if you use it a lot, it burns, burns it out and then you still replace it frequently. Um, yeah, but like just, we see in later movies, he has crates of arc reactors cause he goes through them fast. I know, but it seems like it wouldn't go out that fast. I don't know. It was weird. Yeah. I think it's just because of battle and then flying across the country and I don't know. Maybe it wasn't fully charged. It's a, it's a little off. Apparently not. To be fair, it was also a, um, prototype. Yes. So Tony's in Tennessee, and he co- makes a call to apologize to Pepper, which again shows his maturity. Except then it shows his immaturity as he breaks into some kid's garage. <laughs> I'm not sure that shows immaturity. I know. I just it it seemed like a good transition. <laughs> I don't know. It shows his lack of care or whatever because then he breaks into some kid's garage, which is not guaranteed to have tools or anything, but just happened to have everything he needed. Yep. Um, and then we meet Harvey with his potato gun. And I have to say that I love everything about this conversation. Oh man, I like Harvey. He's great. And I think <laughs> I think Tony interacting with a kid, like, I, I don't know, it, it makes me like him so much because... Even though he's a complete asshole? <laughs> he's both though. He's like, he's like more sensitive and more understanding than normal. And more caring than he normally is, but he's also like, I'm not taking any of your bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) I agree, because Tony kind of understands the pain of having a missing or insufficient father figure. Yeah. Figure. So. 
and he's very he feels the pain sort of he's very blunt at times like so what get over it that was two years ago <laughs> i know oh my god it's it's brutal <laughs> dad's leave no need to be a pussy about it yeah <laughs> but i think maybe it's just because i don't have a lot of patience for kids right now but i, <laughs> I think he handles them perfectly <laughs> Uh, fair enough, I guess. I like how Tony also gives him a weapon to fight off a bully, but it's like, dude, you just, are you serious? <laughs> Don't it's, give a kid a weapon. It's not a real weapon, it just sets off a flash. Still, you don't give that to a kid. It's to fight off his bully, Henry. <laughs> That's not okay, it doesn't matter. Anyways, I really like how Tony introduces himself as the mechanic. And I also like how this kid didn't know, or I don't like, that this kid didn't know that Tony was Tony. This kid is clearly, like, a bright engineering-ish kid who would know everything about Iron Man and Tony Stark. And that's the thing. And not recognizing him was weird. Isn't he carrying his newspaper with his picture, and also the second he shows Iron Man, he's like, Tony Stark! And, like, goes all, what? Yeah, and he says, like, oh, yeah, like, oh, I'm Tony Stark. And then he's like, yeah, you're dead. And then shows him the perfect newspaper that he just happened to be holding. That was apparently printed the same day. Yeah, which is... Is stupid. Like, okay, but you didn't recognize him. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it was movie logic, and I really didn't like it. Because it was that m- same night. Cause, okay, think about it. He got attacked in either the morning or the afternoon. Or probably the afternoon. Flew all the way to Tennessee. Crash-landed. That night, he had a newspaper with him printed in it. It would have been the next morning. To be fair, newspapers have evening editions and I can see them doing like big news like this right away. Do they really? Yeah. I didn't even know that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Some of them do. Oh, newspapers. <laughs> oh, what a time. Speaking of which, why would that kid even have a, have a newspaper these days? He, he wouldn't, but... <laughs> I do... That was a, yeah, I, that was a big stretch. I do like the kid. Yeah. Uh, we do cut back to my... Uh, telling Pepper that her boss works for the Mandarin, her boss Killian. And then we see Killian setting up a recording session with the Master, referring to the Mandarin. So now we have confirmation of all the connections being made. Yeah. Then we cut back to Tony, who has this limited edition Dora watch, which is fucking fabulous, if I do say so myself. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Harley and Tony go to the bomb site and discover that even though six people died in the bombing, there's only five shadows on the walls. <gasps> gasp! Lee Gasp. Yeah, and the explanation was something about their souls going to heaven or whatever and the evil bomber not going to heaven. But what if the bomb was in between him and the road? Like, he was facing the road so he wouldn't have had a shadow no matter what. Wouldn't his shadow still have gone onto the road? Not necessarily, I think. Also, if it went on the road, it'd be more likely to have gone away? I don't know. I didn't like the explanation. Especially because some of the buildings were also straight up destroyed. So maybe it was on the section that was destroyed. Yeah. I don't know. It seemed off. Movie logic. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So then they go to the bar where... I guess his mom hangs out all the time. Uh, the guy who died's mom. 
and she just happens to be waiting for someone with a file about her son. How convenient. Oh my god. <laughs> yep, at the exact moment that Tony arrives. So that's not, like, weird at all. I mean, it made sense in a, a little bit because the mom was trying to meet up with an extremist girl person who I guess was holding her hostage in a way or something. But the extremist girl was walking out of the bar when Tony arrived? I don't really know what was going on. I don't think... Was that supposed to be the bar? Because I thought she was walking out of somewhere, but then he went into the bar and somehow she wasn't there yet, even though she seemed like she would have gotten there first. Yeah, I don't I don't really know what was going on. I don't like this scene. <laughs> I, I, I don't like the timing at all. I agree. It was really strangely handled. They just wanted to go back to the action. That girl also really bothers me because she just seems like the flattest villain ever. But... Oh, yeah, and then she, like, straight up murders, like, three people without any good reason. Yeah. That wasn't necessary. <laughs> but Tony fights without a suit for the first time, which is cool. Not only did Tony fight without the suit, he fought with handcuffs on and was, like, I mean, he was running, but he was still handling himself pretty well. Yeah. Which was neat. And it was cool how he used the extremist heat to break the handcuffs with her neck. That was kind of hardcore. Yep, Tony was kind of badass in this movie. Yeah, however, it's kind of weird how she walks really slowly through the fire, even though she's basically immune to it. And he blows her up by putting her dog tag in the microwave? <laughs> the dog tag in the microwave just caused an explosion, because he can't put metal in the microwave, and that set off the gas that he turned on. Oh, it set off gas? Yeah, he, he set up, and he opened a gas faucet of some sort. Okay. And then the microwave explosion exploded that, and that was enough to deal with her, I guess? It's not... It's, it's kind of weird, because they have a lot of explosions in this movie, and a lot of fire, and sometimes it works on them, and sometimes it doesn't. Right. <laughs> it's very unclear what can kill an extremist person. Yeah. So it's kind of like, we need it to be convenient this time, so this time an explosion will work. Woo! <laughs> also, um... Then Tony deals with um, Sketchy Guy, who's also there, and Sketchy Guy captured, captures Harley, and Harley uses that weapon that Tony gave him to escape. And Tony calls Sketchy Guy Westworld, which I don't know what that's in reference to exactly, because I never watched the old West, Westworld movie, and the TV show hadn't come out yet, so I really want to know why he said that. Well, apparently you'll have to watch that movie. I really want to, actually. I like the show quite a lot, so I want to watch what it's based off. Even though it's also based off a book, I believe. Um, yeah. Anyways. Um, yeah, then uh, in like combination with the kid's bully weapon and uh, Tony's extra repulsor that he pulls out of his pocket and blows the guy with. His pocket? It's his sleeve. Excuse me. Sorry. Um... <laughs> Then he and the, the kid, Harley, talk and basically say goodbye and have some interesting moments. <laughs> oh, man, that conversation's <laughs> hilarious. Like how Harley's trying to guilt trip him into staying and, like, being his new dad or something. Yeah. And then he's like, well, eh, it was worth a shot. <laughs> he's funny. Yeah. I like him. Yeah. He's also now guarding an Iron Man suit and charging it. <laughs> 
Yep. Cool. <laughs> uh, also, Tony has a car already. He stole the key from the bad guy. Oh, did he? I forgot. Okay. Yeah, it's Sketchy Guy's car. Yeah, remember, I missed a few things because I was sick. Then we cut to the president on the Air Force One. There's a Mandarin broadcast where uh, he basically tells the president to call him or he'll kill this man. And the president calls him, but he doesn't answer. He just kills the man. Which is funny because it could have been entirely pre-recorded and probably was entirely pre-recorded. I think. Yeah, because remember all the killings on screen and stuff like that were all effects. Yeah. But the common people seeing those commercials don't need to know the president called them or not. As long as they think the president called, that's enough. Here I was thinking that like maybe they didn't expect him to actually call, so they just wanted an excuse to kill the man, and that like was kind of awkward. No, no, that was the lesson. What the, the what the heck was the lesson? The lesson was that like you can't control things. I don't. I need to rewatch that whole broadcast to remember the details. It was kind of strange. It didn't make any sense to me. Yeah. But they trace the broadcast, and then Iron Patriots running around the world trying to figure out what's going on. <laughs> and Tony calls him right when he's pointing his gun at hostages, which... Did you notice that he was, like, talking to his hand like it was the phone? Yeah, it was just... The whole thing was weird. <laughs> which, like, Tony's suit, you could just talk, so that was strange. Um... <laughs> I, think, I think he was just trying to, like, turn away from what was going on or something. I don't know. Really? Brody's awkward. Uh, I don't I don't I don't know. I don't know. It was weird. <laughs> Alright. And Tony basically uh finds out that AIM did Rhodes suit design. <clears throat> so he learns that AIM is behind it and he gets Rhodey's login for Comsat, which was pretty funny. Um This seems like another weirdly convenient thing to have happened like why would aim have been involved we haven't seen them do anything as far as weapons design and then it never comes up again other than giving an excuse for tony to get a password into aim servers which also why would war machine have those passwords literally the only thing we've seen changed in the war machine suit is a paint job although he clearly has more reliable weapons now since they're not using hammer tech which i don't know i, I don't know this whole thing's strange that's a good point Though I do, yeah, Ames' whole thing was biotech, not weapons tech. I do think it's funny though when uh, Rhodes gives his password of War Machine rocks, and the hostage laughs at him, and he points like his gun yeah. extends to point at him. Um, That's funny, except for the fact that it's really weird and not okay that the Iron Patriots like invading random places in Pakistan. Yep, I agree with that. <laughs> but. That's where they they expect the Mandarin to be, right? They thought the Mandarin was there, but it was... I don't even remember what that place was. I know the second place he goes to is a sweatshop. Because it's kind of like, if someone's terrorizing the United States, are you not supposed to go get him? I don't know. I mean, you are and aren't. I just thought they'd act a little slower. Since this is the government, not Iron Man, yeah. doing whatever Iron Man wants. Yeah, true. <laughs> um... So, Iron Man is traveling up the coast, and on his way up the coast, he needs data that he can only access thanks to the information, the login information that War Machine gave him. 
But he needs more bandwidth, so he goes to this news crew um, van, and the van guy loves Tony. Oh my god. Everything about him is based on Tony, his hairstyle. He has a tattoo. Not based off Tony, based off a doll of Tony he made. Which is weird. Why would you why would he do that? Well why don't you just use the picture? And it's everywhere. And why would you tattoo his face on your arm? I don't know. That guy was real creepy. It was really creepy. It's an example of people saying Marvel is too silly that I agree with. Like this this didn't need to be there. It was funny, but it was really off-putting and weird. I just wasn't <laughs> sure if this was supposed to be like a gay fan. I don't think he was gay. I think he wanted he wanted to be Tony. He didn't want to he wasn't obsessed with getting Tony. He wanted to be Tony. I wasn't sure. I feel like it could have gone either way because he was talking to his mom at the, at the start and something magical is happening. And That is true. I just figured it was Christmas time and that's how someone from that area would act. Yeah. Oh my god, mom, something magical is happening. Anyways, uh, they're, the news crews are covering a beauty pageant where Stan Lee is a judge, which is funny. So, first phase two cameo. Yeah. Yeah. He gives that girl 10 out of 10. How nice of him. I know. He's a very generous judge. Even though he has a really creepy expression on his face when he does so. Yeah, it is really creepy. (laughs) But he is an old man at a beauty pageant, so I guess... Stanley's playing a pervy creeper judge? Okay. He was already Hugh Hefner. Is it really that much worse? Yes. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Fair enough. Well, anyways, after this, they cut to Pepper and Maya in a hotel together talking about uh, Killian and AIM. And then Killian pops in and kills a waiter like nothing and steals Pepper. Like, there's so many, so much excess murder in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> why, why kill the waiter? Why not just break down the door? I don't know, man. <laughs> because he's clearly evil. That's how evil yeah, people so, work. Yeah, so Maya was trying to solve the extremist exploding problem by getting to Tony and having Tony help since Tony drunkenly almost solved it during their meeting in 1999. But Killian doesn't care and just wants to force Tony to help them through capturing Pepper. Yeah, and then they also capture Rhodes. Which is cool. Also, I love how this scene when he invades the sweatshop, he's like, uh, you're free, uh, I guess, if you weren't before. Yeah. <laughs> or that's one of my highlights of just funniest roads thing in the whole movie. But then one of the uh, ladies in Sweatshop there... Sweatshop workers. Yeah. Yeah, was actually an extremist person undercover. Ooh, and oh. she gets him. Yeah, and if AIM had done work on the Iron Patriot, you'd think they would have just hacked him. Not captured him through an extremist fighter. Um, also yeah. thinking one extremist fighter is enough for an Iron Man suit's ballsy. And arrogant. But hey, it worked. Yep. It's actually really impressive. How did they get him all the way back to Florida? They got him back to Florida really fast, too. I think. <laughs> I guess. I don't know how much time has passed, but they got him all the way across the country, even though he's in a suit that should have just flown away. Didn't she knock him out? I don't remember. Probably. She ha- would have had to have had done that so it obviously he wouldn't have flown away i guess 
Um, anyways, Tony, Tony checks in with the kid and Jarvis and gets the Mandarin's location and the suit, or Harley says the suit's not charging well, or did Jarvis say that? Whatever. One of them said that. Harley said it and then Jarvis said it's not, it is charging, just not very fast or something. And that sets off a panic attack for Tony. Uh, panic panic attack number three, we skipped the one at the bomb, the bomb site in Tennessee. Yeah. I like that all of his panic attacks attacks are set off by children asking about the wormhole. <laughs> he should just avoid children. <laughs> um, yeah, though this one's actually set off just because they're like your suit's not charging, and he's like, "Oh my god!" Like my lifeline. Every it's, it was interesting how much like his suit was just everything to him. That the thought of it not charging was like <laughs> exactly. But not only that, that Harley said. You're the mechanic, right? Why don't you just build something? I think that's my favorite line of the entire movie, to be honest. Because it really just goes back to the core of what Tony Stark is. And he's just a guy who builds stuff. And I think it's Tony's favorite line, too. Because the second he says, why don't you just build something? Tony, like, stands up completely calm, like, panic attack over. <laughs> he's like, okay. <laughs> hey, it works so well. And then he just goes to, for one... Wouldn't this evil organization and wouldn't news networks have picked up on Tony Stark's credit cards being used? Um, <laughs> Are they tracking his credit cards? Uh, I think they should be. This random guy is walking through a Home Depot or whatever, buying cartloads of stuff. I think someone would notice. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But anyways, uh, he assembles an entire arsenal of gadgets to on the go, which I think is awesome it was really cool and then he goes oh my god and then he goes and attacks the mandarins the mansion mansion with no suit and just all of these little gadgets that he built himself and it it's was amazing epic it's so cool <laughs> the coolest scene in this movie has no iron man suit and i don't understand it's incredible it's really good oh my god though he murders a lot of people but it's still really good yeah I don't know. It's a little, it's a tad excessive for Marvel, but it's Marvel, so they're okay with killing. And then he. But it's so cool! I love how he just uses nail guns and electric things, and it's. <laughs> yeah. I'm done. It was cool. You can go on. <laughs> you done fanboying? <laughs> I love this scene! Ah! I loved it. To be honest, it's like more impressive than his Iron Man suits, which is odd. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's the coolest scene in this movie. In the scene with the coolest Iron Man stuff. And I think the point is, like, his whole I am Iron Man thing <clears throat> is that his brain is the coolest part about him, and it is what makes him him. Exactly. Um, but, so he, he gets into the mansion, and he finally... Finds the Mandarin. Yeah, he finds the Mandarin, he confronts him, and finds out that it's just an actor. An actor. Named Trevor. I love Trevor. My name's Trevor, Trevor Slattery. He's hilarious. Although, so comic fans hated this because they viewed this as them ruining one of the greatest Iron Man villains. But as someone who hasn't read the comics, I thought this was hilarious. Same. <laughs> um, Trevor Slattery is absolutely hilarious. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely understand why that would be an issue if you know about this person in the comics. Though even Aaron, our friend Aaron, who watched this with us, 
she hasn't read the comics and she was like, that was the stupidest twist ever. I thought he was going to be this epic bad guy and he was just that. Um, yeah. Well, the only thing I don't like is later in the movie when Killian's like, I am the Mandarin. It's like, Killian, shut up. No one cares about you anymore. Yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> anyways, they say that they needed a cover for all of the accidental explosions, which is why they created the Mandarin. So I guess there was no actual terrorism. It was all just the accidental explosions. Yeah, but they were also kind of using it to play both sides of the war game. It it seems like it was kind of confusing. Also, it was really weird if that medicine is supposed to make you explode or make you not explode, depending on the dosage. I don't really know. Yeah. Like, the fir- were they purposefully... I mean, they purposefully exploded that guy at the Chinese theater, I think? Like, to... No, to they didn't purpose... Continue the... I think it was on purpose. He didn't take a thing. But he did take the thing, and then he exploded. I don't think he did. But I think he took it, but Happy stole half of it, so it didn't work or something. It was very... Un- it was very unclear. They definitely but, made I- it very unclear what the medicine does, which isn't really helpful for us. Yeah, especially because sketchy... Like, sketchy guy asked junky guy to meet him at the Chinese theater, so it seems like they wanted him to explode. I don't know about that. Because they were also saying, like, all right, President, there's only, like, a few messages left. There's only two messages left. There's only one message left. It looks like they had it aim. Ha. Pun. Ah, uh, because... <laughs> I, I didn't mean to do that, because their company's aim, their think tank, hilarious... I like how that when they're meeting Trevor, he's like, oh, yeah, I was just a junkie, and then I met these guys. Um, and Tony's like, oh, so they got you off the drugs? And he's like, no, they gave me more. Yeah. <laughs> he's so funny. Sorry, what were you going to say? Um, the first time I watched this movie, I thought Aldrich Killian was the terrorist and, like, was actively trying to do all these things and was just using Trevor Slattery to take the limelight. But this time watching it, I realized that they they just say that it's a cover for the explosions happening, so it seems like there's not actually terrorism happening, aside from kidnapping the president at the end and trying to fix that. I think it was accidental, and then they started aiming it on purpose, like with the Chinese theater. I don't know if that was on purpose, because I could see them just wanting to trade in a public touristy location. I, yeah, I, I, I don't know, especially because it's weird, because... In, like, the next scene, when Maya is talked to Tony, who is now captured, because uh, extremist guy... It was extremist guy, right? Knocked him out after meeting Trevor? Yeah, it was extremist guy. Or sketchy guy. Uh, Maya threatens to explode herself by taking that same injection, it seemed. Which is weird, because then Killian shoots her, and then she doesn't recover. It's not even clear if she has extremis or not, but it sounds like she'd explode. I don't think she has extremis. Then why was she threatening herself with the extremis cure thing? No, she said that if I a dose this high would kill anyone, half of this much would kill anyone. Uh, I mean, extremis appeared to kill people slowly, so it, it still seemed like it's stupid. It didn't make sense. I think <laughs> I hate how quickly they kill off Maya for like seemingly no reason, just to make Killian seem more menacing. The point was that that high of a dose, like it wouldn't, it wouldn't be like, is the dose gonna set or kill this person and work slowly? It's just like way too much, you die. But I do okay. agree that killing her was weird because she's like, what are you gonna do without me? Like you need me. 
I am what stops you all from exploding and all this stuff. And he's just like, boom. Like... I have Tony. <laughs> Weren't you saying he's the cure? But he doesn't have Tony yet. Whatever. I know. It's, it's dumb. But I guess Killian thought it was okay because now he had Tony, who was now... Who now had the gift of desperation since now that Killian has captured Pepper and injected her with Extremis... Tony had no choice but to solve it for him to save Pepper. Yeah, even though he doesn't solve it for him. <laughs> but yeah, he yeah, Tony escapes. Well, not that fast, but pretty fast. Yeah, so we cut to we cut to Rhodes and Killian comes in to try and extract him from his armor and he ends up heating up the armor to get Rhodes out. Yeah, well, Sketchy Guy was working on it first, and they make it very apparent that Sketchy Guy is apparently a good mechanic and stuff. I don't, I don't really know. It's weird. Also, I like how they captured him by just tying him up. <laughs> yeah, and he says that he'll have, he'll have the West's most powerful leader in one hand and the most feared terrorist in the other, and he'll own the war on terror, which... I'm really confused what the point of this... Like, he says create, this will create supply and demand, so I guess he's just creating this war just to sell his product? Yeah, I mean, if he controls the president and he controls the world's scariest terrorist, he can supply the U.S. Army to attack the terrorist that's also supplied with his weapons so that he'll always have a bigger supply. I guess he does make weapons. I don't really know the specifics. I thought the weapon was the Extremis. I know, I was really confused. I don't even know, man. I think he's trying to sell the extremist, but it just seems... I don't know, that, that's, that's it, a it lot. It seems very clear that it would be him anyways. What? <laughs> if, he, if he was the only one that has the extremist, if he's selling it to both sides, it's pretty clear who's selling it to the Mandarin. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, yeah. it's also just really ridiculous motivation. Like, okay, I guess for money you're... No, I, I think that's pretty reasonable, actually. Okay. It's weird in this movie how, how they introduce it, but I feel like that's actually a common evil plan of, I'll control both sides, and I'll really be the master of everything, and everyone will come to me for help. Muhahaha. Yeah. That's kind of what Obadiah was doing in Iron Man 1. I thought Obadiah was flat, though. Fair enough. <laughs> I like Obadiah. I think money as a motivation is a very flat motivation. I agree, though he would have money and power, since the president, the vice president, the vice president who will become the president will be his pawn. Except for the fact that that guy would be in office for a maximum of, I don't know, 13 years? Or, not 13, um, 11? Eight? Or so. I'm pretty sure if you're a vice president who becomes president, you can still run two more times, but oh, I'm not positive. Right. Um, yeah. But there's also no guarantee that he'll stay in that long, and I don't think it would be a wise decision to expect him to stay in that long. Yep. But we see Tony threatening the terrorists, which is just frigging hilarious. You mean the guards? Yeah, because he just keeps shouting, like, you're going to regret that now! Uh, now! And then, like... Just because he's trying to distract him while the modular suit arrives. Well, because he keeps thinking that it's going to arrive, but it hasn't arrived yet. <laughs> well, he does that the first time to summon the suit. And then he's like, three, two, one, uh. <laughs> I like how the guards are really frustrated. It's like, how did we get this shit? I know. And the guy who's 
and the and the guy he asked for how far is Tennessee from here like gives him an exact distance. He's like, oh yeah, I'm good like that. I like those guards. Yeah, but I, I don't think it was done as a distraction. I think he just kept thinking that it was like ready to come. Okay, how about now? <laughs> yeah. Um, um, they do jump back the Rhodes, who does pop out of the Iron Patriot suit and comes out fighting and punches Killian in the face, and then Killian shoots fire out of his mouth, yeah. <laughs> which is never done again. That and it was weird. Was weird. <laughs> Killian doesn't really seem in control of his heat, and I'm really confused how he hasn't exploded. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Tony gets or his hand finally comes to him, and he's able to break free with just his hand. And then, like a boot also comes, and yeah, and a, like a pistol that he steals from one of the guards. The re- the rest of his suits like trapped in the barn under padlock, but it's still it's really cool just to see him fight like this um yeah like there's this like little slow-mo sequence where he like flips around and lands perfectly and shoots with just an arm and a leg which to be honest i think is a little it's a little weird but it's still a really cool scene and then we get another funny guard who's like honestly i hate working here these people are so weird yeah and runs away (laughs) but i guess the suit charged (laughs) yeah the um, well, it charged enough to fly to him, because as soon as it arrives, it's not charged enough to fly anymore. They recharge it on the boat. Oh, yeah. With a car battery. Um, but anyways, Rhodes escapes as well. Um, the Iron Patriot suit has been taken by Sketchy Guy to go kidnap the president. Uh, Rhodes and Tony go to Trevor again, steal Trevor's boat, <laughs> recharge the Iron Man suit. And go after the Iron Patriot to help protect the president. Yeah, then we have the plane sequence where the president's already gone and Tony has to save everyone. Well, first, Tony and Sketchy Guy in the Iron Patriot suit, who's way too comfortable with it. They have a battle on the plane and Tony kills that Sketchy Guy and uses his chest cannon, well, chest arc reactor to shoot a hole through the guy's chest. And that's enough to kill him. Then he goes to rescue all the people who fell out of the plane by gathering them all together and then boosting up at the last second. Yeah, which apparently they put a lot of work into that sequence and all those yeah, people... Yeah, because they were real skydiving. Yeah, all those people were actually skydiving. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which is... It's a really cool sequence, but I, it's not as impressive to me anymore, to be honest. I... I'm surprised that that they put so much work into that one scene because I didn't realize it was meant to be that impressive. It was used in the advertising a lot. I mean, it's cool. Yeah, it's cool. I don't think it's aged very well. Yeah. Uh, But then right after Iron Man saves him, the suit gets hit by a truck and the whole suit collapses because this is the modular suit. And it turns out Tony was still on the boat the whole time. Yup. Flying it remotely. Yeah. At some point during this time, he started the house party protocol. Yeah, and then the president gets delivered to Killian in the Iron Patriot suit, which, how do they freaking, okay, like, how do they were, they sent it on autopilot, I guess. But they overrode Tony's code of, like, coding, coding for only Rhodes and him to use the suit. And just assume that the Iron Patriot has been modified a lot. To be honest, this could be all the stuff that AIM did. I guess. And then I don't they think were that able this to parts the stretch. They were able to send it flying by itself. I mean, yeah, I mean, Ivan Vanko did it last movie 
took over that war machine suit with someone in it. Yeah. AIM seems slightly more prepared since they've actually worked on the suit before. They never explain it, but it seems like it makes more sense to me. Okay. Then we cut to Pepper, who's captured, and Killian comes in and creeps on her about Pepper basically being his trophy instead of just being bait for Tony, which is awkward. Yep, and... Well, yeah. Tony and Rhodes start invading the ship, but that part isn't super exciting, except for we get some funny Tony and Rhodes banter, and they joke about how sharp of a shot Rhodes is, and Rhodes shows off his skills. And... Uh, the president is strung up in the Iron Patriot suit in the middle of, like, oil tankers and stuff. Yeah, it's an oil tanker that wasn't an oil spill, so it was all... It was another lesson for all of America. Yeah. Anyways, who cares about that part? The house party has arrived! Where all of Tony's suits show up to fight, and it's pretty freaking cool. And Tony keeps just jumping from suit to suit to suit to suit. And it's really cool, and we see them with all sorts of different powers, like one that looks like it's probably the Hulkbuster prototype. Yeah. We also have, they're, they're also fighting a bunch of random extremist goons. I, I do have to say, though, in this scene, Pepper is shown to be so damselly, which is really not good. <laughs> it is redeemed soon after, though. I don't even know if you can say that. Like, they didn't need, okay. they didn't need to make her that damselly. It was, it, it, it bothered me. I mean, Killian did capture her as a hostage, so yeah, it was very damselly, but... But you, she can still be, like, trying to fight and do stuff and not just be screaming and, I need help, and I need help now again, and I need help. Yeah, <laughs> they kept forcing her to be stuck under things, like she got stuck under rubble or something. It was painful. Yeah, and then Pepper's, like, gonna fall off the thingy that's moving for some reason. And Tony's like, I'll catch you! And then she falls because it gets hit by something, and he doesn't catch her, and she dies. The end. Goodbye, Pepper. It was nice knowing Which, you. What, She's my favorite. What the f- Why was that even here? Like, what was the point of showing he didn't catch her after saying, I'm gonna catch you? Because he thought he would catch her. And then he's extra mad when he fights Killian one-on-one. Because he failed. Even though he doesn't seem that much extra mad. <laughs> I I don't know. I don't I don't like the I promise I'll catch you and then he like doesn't catch her. Well, because there's like an extra shake that they weren't ready for. But yeah, it was, it was sad and weird. It, I didn't think that line was necessary though. Yeah. Also, where were all the other Iron Man suits to come help her? Yeah. <laughs> um, I do think the the constantly ejecting from his suits because Killian keeps destroying them and like. Jumping into the the different suits, though, is a great climax to his trilogy. Yeah, there's like three different suits he uses in that battle. I like how Killian chops through the arm of a suit, and right before he does, Tony ejects his arm from it. And stuff like that. Yeah. That was really cool. Um, it's just, it's a nice finale to, like, just have all of his suits be used and be switching between them. Yeah. This this is one thing I want to say that Iron Man, about Iron Man 3. As... I don't want to say too much about later movies, because that's not what we do here, but as far as the three trilogies we've had completed now, Iron Man has the best end of a trilogy and feels like it's really the end of a trilogy and really celebrates all of them the most, especially in the end credits, which I'll talk about a little bit later. And I like how uh, Mark 42 slowly shows up for the house party late, and it, it crashes first, which is funny. 
And then Tony summons it onto Killian and it makes it self-destruct to kill him, which is kind of hardcore. Yeah, it was really cool. I, I loved it. Except it didn't work. Uh, yeah, that's pr- that's a pretty sweet way to kill a villain, except it failed. I okay, and there's really no real no good reason why it failed. Like he didn't need to be alive after this, except that to make so he can yell, "I'm the Mandarin," and and for <laughs> Pepper to be the one that beats him. Which yes, yeah. I I I I want Pepper to be good at woman power stuff, but this was just a weird way to do it. Well, it's okay because now Pepper has the extremis, so she has superpowers, and she's. Good. And she's now the newest member of the Avengers, right? Right, Trey? Isn't that what happens? No. Oh. <laughs> yeah, Killian says, I'm the Mandarin. Then Pepper hits him with a giant pipe. And then Pepper jumps up and grabs the repulsor arm of an Iron Man suit that's trying to attack her because he has the extremist heat signature well, she, and shoots him and kills him. She doesn't only grab it, she destroys the whole suit, which was pretty cool. And then she grabs the arm. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. And then she's like, wow, that was really violent. <laughs> Who's the hot mess now? Yeah, and then she, like, she also kicks a bomb into him to explode him. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, it's one of, like, the Iron Man missiles or something. I, (laughs) that's so great. So here's the thing. If they kept Pepper's extremist powers and, like, actually made her have powers and, I don't know, made it have a point aside from this tiny little thing, I feel like it would be okay. But they infected her only to have this little scene. Yeah, and then Tony got Pepper sorted out, which, to be honest, I it seems like they fixed the bugs of the extremist, not removed it. Because if they removed... If you could remove extremis, then you just cured all broken limbs. I mean, all missing limbs. You infect someone with extremis, let their limb grow back, and then remove it from them. Done. Yeah, well, not <laughs> even that, but if he... Like he said, uh, I, I, okay, before we get to that part, I do also want to mention that Rhodes does get a chance to be cool in this part as well, because he's the one that rescues yeah, the president. Yeah, the president. Yeah. Yeah, that is cool. Though after he flies away with the president, he doesn't come back, which is odd. I guess. But yeah, so they, they lead into Tony's fix of Pepper with like, I, I almost had this figured out 13 years ago when I was drunk, which is true, and if that was, like, really their lead-in, it seems like he would be fixing the instabilities like he was trying to do when he was drunk, so Pepper would still be able to heal herself, at the very least. Yeah, and have super strength, probably. Yeah, so, but instead he just re- removes Extremis entirely, apparently, and... I don't know. It's ne- this is something that I think they purposefully left open-ended in Iron Man 3, and then never did anything with it again, which is a bummer, since it's really interesting. Yeah, though we also don't get Pepper showing up ever again except a tiny blip at some point. Yeah, she doesn't show up for a long time in the movies. But that's also because this is the last Iron Man movie. Yeah, so I don't I don't know if like it's still technically open because she hasn't really been shown, but it's not anymore. It's been way too long. Yeah, I agree. But it was back then and I was really bummed that they never acknowledged it again because it was really cool. It's definitely strange. Um, then also Tony got repaired and got the shards taken out of him. Which, that was also confusing, because was that done, because, like, with the extremis? Is that how that was possible? No, I think he's just, like, I think part of it was that he thought that having that in him partially made him Iron Man, 
And he realized that he himself was Iron Man without having the arc reactor built into him or anything. He didn't need it anymore. He They have this technology to remove the shards, so he did. Because he didn't need to have that be part of him anymore. So That's kind of weird. It It's really weird, though, because he was dying in Iron Man 2 because he couldn't... Like, because of the shards and the thing in his chest that was magnetizing them. So if it was yeah. possible to remove them the entire time, that makes no sense. Yeah, I agree. Although, I definitely think Iron Man 2 is more flawed than Iron Man 3. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. But But this definitely does just ruin... The entire plot of Iron Man 2. <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah. Oh, you could have just removed it anyways? Cool. Great. <laughs> yep. I guess he was also just afraid to do it, and now he got the courage. Um, we also, before, we, we forgot to mention that he engages the clean slate protocol where he explodes all of his Iron Man suits, which this, the the first time that I watched this movie, I thought that, this was the end of Iron Man, and I was really confused because he like the way it ended. I think, and I'm not the only one who thinks this because I've I've seen things online and I listen to other people talk about it. No, no, no. I agree. People were really confused, especially because he says, "Oh, I am Iron Man." At the end, it's like, what? What, what just happened? Yeah. <laughs> it 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 seemed like, yeah, like he just wasn't gonna wear the suits anymore. Which it, I don't know. Like, how is he gonna be in a like? Eh. But watching yeah. it now, this time with my future lens, I realize it makes way more sense. Yeah, it makes it's a lot more understandable how, like, he says he's just going to trim down the distractions. Like, he's not letting it control his life anymore. He's getting past his PTSD, and he realizes that he's Iron Man suit and Iron Man, not just the suits. Yeah, he's what makes Iron Man Iron Man. So. Yeah, that's good that it's not confusing anymore, but definitely confusing on a first watch for this movie. Faux show. A few little tiny things that we also get covered is Happy wakes up, um, and Harvey, as a reward for helping Tony Stark, gets a super upgrade to his workshop, which I guess it's his workshop. <laughs> yeah, with a, with, a, with a bunch of toys. Toys and, like, robotics equipment. By toys, I meant oh. fun technology. <laughs> I'm amazed I didn't... Oh, man. Being sick sucks. My brain is gone. Uh, and then we see Iron Man throw his arc reactor into the ocean, which is funny, because you'd think Pepper would want to keep that. Yeah, I guess he... <laughs> I guess he's not never wearing one after this point, then? Oh, yeah. he. Well, he never... He doesn't have it embedded in him, but he has them, like, on him, like, his wrist thing. He has gadgets on him at all times. Right, but the thing in his chest is gone. Yeah, he no longer has a thing in his chest. And then we get the narration over the end of the movie saying that the armor was never a distraction, it was a cocoon, and he's now a beautiful butterfly. He doesn't say that. The most beautiful <laughs> butterfly. Iron butterfly. Oh, I'm so excited for that trilogy. Um, no, but he says, he says he's a changed man now, and they can take his house, his tricks, and his toys, but one thing that they can't take away, he, I am Iron Man. Then they play awesome music and have his montage credit sequence, which celebrates all three films, which I think is wonderfully done, really shows off the vibe of Iron Man. Um, the vibe as in, like, just how cool and spunky, I don't know if that's the right word for it is. It is. Kind of reminds me of classic James Bond also. And it just feels like such a celebration and grand finale for the end of the Iron Man trilogy. And I love it a lot. Um, 
not to go into spoilers for Captain America Civil War or Thor Ragnarok, um, but Captain America didn't really get the end of his trilogy focused entirely on him, so his movie didn't really end in a grand celebration like Iron Man 3, and kind of the same for Thor. I really enjoy that Iron Man 3's finale is all about Iron Man and all about the trilogy, and I like it a lot. Indeed, even though with the terrorists attacking uh, the United States, it seems like the Avengers might get involved with something like that. Oh, yeah, I, I was amazed. I forgot to say that. I'm like, yeah, this also, one other flaw in this movie is with the president. Yeah, sorry, you said it all. Yeah, this is the first movie where now that the characters have interacted, it feels very strange for the other characters not to show up. And this is a problem in all of the early Phase 2 movies of... Why wasn't Blank there? Like, in Iron Man 3, you'd really think S.H.I.E.L.D. and Captain America would be protecting and hunting after the president. Yes, indeed. Also, I don't know if you noticed this, but uh, every Iron Man film has a foreigner bad guy with a white man that's in charge of them. Huh. It's like the white man behind the scenes. (laughs) I would argue that it's kind of the opposite for Iron Man 2, since Justin Hammer was really showed off as the main bad guy, but even Vanko was really in control of everything. But no, you're right. It, well, that's that's, that's very true. Ivan Vanko was shown off as the main bad guy, as was Justin Hammer. But Justin Hammer was in charge of him, and then like in the end, he like flipped the scales. In charge, quote-unquote. Yeah. <laughs> Even yeah. Van Gogh had full control of the situation. Agreed. Yeah, but Obadiah and and Killian had way more control over their foreign people. Yep. It's just also Killian's ethnicity was very strange. Like the character of the Mandarin was very strange of what he was because he was speaking like clear English the entire time, and and he turned out to be British, and it's just weird. I wonder if this is like Marvel's first attempt to avoid politically incorrect issues like because the mandarin isn't he like a stereotypical character of ah yeah i believe you're right and then they just made him like well we'll just skip that by making him fake and an actor and the white guy's behind it (laughs) you're right i totally (laughs) forgot about that yeah i totally forgot about that so this is marvel's first time they tried to do that and the first time that it failed miserably because everybody hated it I like, well, no, the comic book hardcore people didn't, I liked it. You liked it. Aaron didn't like it. I, <laughs> I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd say I, I liked it. I just didn't mind it. Okay. Yeah. After credit scene. Yeah. And, and credit scene. <laughs> Turns out Tony wasn't talking to the audience or himself. He was talking to Bruce Banner, who was asleep. <laughs> yeah. <whole> <laughs> Which is funny. Um. <laughs> But honestly, a little out of character for Banner. I feel like he would care and try to be more supportive. I don't really know. I don't know. But it is funny where he's like, I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not that kind of doctor. This is also kind of the first end credit scene we get that's just for humor's sake and not for like teasing, uh, shawarma. teasing the future. Films. Well, that that one had two end credit scenes, though. Oh, yeah. Sorry. You are right. But... <laughs> Also, this is when I feel like it's confusing at this point because they introduce two two end credits scene with the last movie, and then they go back to one at this one, and it seems to kind of flip flop because they haven't figured out what their number is. Yeah, one Iron Man three 
kind of reminds me of Ant-Man, how it kind of feels like it's... Well, Ant-Man is considered Phase 2. Iron Man 3 is considered Phase 2, but it feels more like the epilogue of Phase 1. Yeah, that, that seems right. Yeah, after Iron Man 3, the tone shifts a lot, like, dramatically for the rest of the Phase 2 films. Does it? I think so, especially starting at Winter Soldier. But that's after Thor. Yeah, but Thor 2 is Thor 2. I don't know. Um, I, I just feel like Iron Man 3 sticks out a bit. Uh, maybe. So, are you, are you ready to rate the movie? Yeah, I'm ready if you're ready. So, when talking about this movie, I find it really hard to decide if I would rate it an A or B on our scale. Um, an A on our scale is a great movie. It's not our highest rating that we have A plus an S. Or B, which is a good solid film, but nothing exceptional. And I find myself, I find myself having trouble choosing between the two. Because this movie has really high highs and awkward lows. The scene with Iron Man invading the mansion, the house party protocol, um, everything with Harvey in the town, besides dealing with the extremists, agents, whatever you want to call them, is super cool and well done. But there's a lot of story elements that bother me a lot. So it really makes a difference to me is whether or not I like Iron Man in the film, not just the plot. And that's why I am going to give it an A. All of its flaws are plot-related, but don't detract from how much fun I have watching the movie. I will admit that I'm always biased because of how much I love Iron Man, but there's a lot of really cool, fun stuff to be had in this movie. How about you, Trey? Uh, I I agree with a lot of things that you said. I think it's interesting that a movie with such a flawed and unexciting villain could still be so enjoyable, but... I really enjoy this movie. Um, I think Iron Man's character is at his best and most likable. I think everything with Harley and Iron Man and their interactions and his interactions with Pepper are really strong. Um, I think the trilogy really ties itself together and is a good finale with all of the cool Iron Man suit stuff and uh, the funny moments and Iron Man just showing his strength being without his suits and using all of those gadgets. So... Despite the the flaws and the villains not being very compelling, I am going to give this movie an A. Thank you for making that much more clear and concise than I did. <laughs> because those are the feelings I was trying to express, and I'm just a little off my game right now. You're welcome. So I, I guess I'm a little surprised you agreed with me. Um, I guess it's just because I was wiggling back and forth, and I figured if... It's Iron Man, I would rate it above you, but I'm glad you agree with me, because I feel, I don't know, vindicated or something. Well, I told you this was my favorite Iron Man movie. True. Is it still your favorite Iron Man movie? I mean, that's, well, like I said in the beginning, like, objectively, I think Iron Man is definitely a better film, but this movie has more moments that I personally enjoy more than the first film. Yeah. Yeah, like, Iron Man is a better story, it's more well put together... And it's cool, but this is just an ex- this is like a comedy show and a tech demo, just like t- lots of cool stuff, lots of funny stuff, all put together in a wonder in a a kind of messy little present and character study. Yeah, that too. Um, especially having Tony be more caring and compassionate and vulnerable, um, especially compared to everything else we've ever seen before. Yeah. So, 
What we also wanted to do is to talk about the one-shot All Hail the King, which ties in directly to the Mandarin in this movie. And it was partially made to placate fans who hated the Mandarin being mishandled. Yeah, so this one-shot basically has seven minutes. It's a 14-minute long one-shot, which is the longest one we've had so far. Even though most of it's credits. Yeah, and like the first seven <laughs> minutes of it is just Trevor in prison doing like jokey, stupid stuff, which totally did not need to be seven minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun. Everyone wanted to just see him be the king then and his impressions. Yeah, but then like all of a sudden in the middle, you get this, like there's this guy interviewing him and you find out that he's the Mandarin's servant because uh, he gives the real Mandarin's backstory and the seven rings. and Ten rings. Oh, is it ten? Yeah. I believe it's because in the con- in the comics, the real Mandarin has ten magical rings, one for every-, every finger. They each has a different power. Okay. So this guy talks about all the cool things that the Mandarin would be uh, if he was the bad guy. And he basically beats up everybody in the room. With all these gadgets that he's hiding within his his camera gear, which is cool. It was really cool. Uh, and he tells Trevor that he's taking him to his boss, the man who's, who he stole the name of. The real Mandarin. Yeah. Who might be centuries old. And I just have to say, like, it's very clear that this was made to just appease people who didn't like or who thought, like, they ruined the Mandarin in the movie, but making a villain this freaking cool-sounding in a 10-minute one-shot just makes me so... uh, It bothers me so much, because... I know! (laughs) I want this movie. I mean, I... I desperately want Iron Man 4, but I also want to see this Mandarin so bad. Yeah, if you're going to tease a character this big, you need to deliver on him. I would rather not have this one shot at <laughs> all if you're just going to be like, oh, see, the real Mandarin does exist. Okay, bye. Never again mentioned. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of the things with Iron Man 3 is it holds no weight on the future instances in the, in the MCU. Yeah, I really wish the Mandarin showed up in S.H.I.E.L.D. or somewhere again, because he seems super cool. Also, he seems very similar to Hydra and the Hand, where it's like he's the leader of the Ten Rings, which is this ancient organization based around the rings or something. I don't know. It seems super cool, and I wish we got to explore it more. Yeah, and also, after the end credits, we get Justin Hammer showing up in the prison like jealous of the mandarin which i mean it was it was a cool cameo i'm like oh hey there he is Uh, oh i love the justin hammer cameo in the credits it's so funny but also apparently he's gay in prison what happens in prison stays in prison i didn't like that i mean yes it was funny but it's like the really gross unlikable villain is apparently like with a babe in prison. I don't know. I think it paints I think it paints gayness in not a good light. It it isn't good to use gayness for humor, but I honestly find I find Justin Hammer at his best in this scene where he seems actually likable and funny. But to be fair, it's a one shot, so he can just be goofy. How he's joking about, oh, I had an army of robots. What did this guy have? Which Justin, you didn't have an army of robots. 
I haven't had your army of robots. You didn't do anything. I, I didn't think he was more likable in this scene. I thought he was funny. I thought he was more... But he was just used for jokes. I thought he was more attractive. He looked more buff and his hair was better. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I guess in prison... He, he worked out, and there's not much else to do. Uh, side note, um, just one last thing I want to say about Iron Man 3. I thought Killian and Justin Hammer were kind of just, like, opposites of each other. How so? Justin Hammer was really cocky and arrogant and showy, even though he had nothing to really back it up, where Killian originally was awkward and didn't really... And wasn't really confident in, in himself, even though he was very talented, apparently, since we've never really seen him be smart. Although, later on, he does become really cocky with him being the Mandarin, but that was in a moment of passion while fighting Iron Man. So, Fair enough, I guess. Yeah, I just thought it was interesting. Um, yeah, so I think that about wraps up our episode. I believe so. Trey, could you tell everyone how to find us? Yes, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Marvelous MCU. You can find us on Instagram at Marvelous MCU Podcast, and you can send us an email at Marvelous MCU Podcast at gmail.com. What did you think of Iron Man 3? Were you disappointed by the Mandarin, or do you like this movie as much as we did? Also, whether you're listening to us on iTunes or YouTube, wherever you listen to podcasts, please like, rate, leave a review. Anything like that would really help us grow. If you can spread this to anyone you know who loves Marvel, that would be a huge help to us. And next week, we'll be covering our first Marvel TV show with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. We'll be doing the one-shot item 47 and the first two episodes. So thanks for tuning in, and we hope you'll tune in next time for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.